Well, I'm excited to continue on this uh, teaching we began last week on Good Shepherd. How many of you know that Jesus is a good shepherd? I don't know about you, but this message, and I know I, got, I was the one that got to deliver it last, last week, but it has ministered to me all week long, I'm telling you. And I'm just so thankful that we can daily commit to him and trust him to, to be our shepherd to see us through. Amen? Um, I always have help with every message uh, from above. And uh, yesterday I had a little extra help from my grandson. I got a picture here. So uh, he was helping me. I was sitting, sitting on the porch late in the afternoon going over stuff. He came and helped me out. So it's probably going to be really good today with, with that kind of help. Let's go ahead and start this morning. We're going to read the 23rd Psalm. And let's read this together out loud, everybody. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's good stuff right there. That's good stuff. And then verse 1 that we really zeroed in on last week. uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My favorite translation is actually a paraphrase of that. Is from the Living Bible. And I want to put that up and read it and have us say that again too. Because I just love this. It says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Why don't we read that like we really mean it this morning too. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Which kind of implies if he's not your shepherd, you're, you're missing some things. There's some things not connecting there. So I'm so thankful for the Lord to be our shepherd. Now, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, speaking of Jesus, it said, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Everybody say compassion. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. They were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd. And we're calling this good shepherd. But I want you to notice that uh, they were confused and helpless. Let me talk about sheep just for a moment here. Sheep, make sure you get this. Sheep are not the brightest critters on the farm. Okay. They're not the brightest critters. Sheep, make sure you get this. Sheep really need a shepherd. Okay. I want to show you some pictures of some sheep. This will kind of help support it. Go ahead to the next one there. They're not the brightest, okay? And they really need a shepherd. Now, I purposely pulled you in to get you to laugh because here I have to break some news to you, okay? In this imagery, in this metaphor of shepherd and sheep, you're the sheep. We need a shepherd. Now, there's a model of teaching that kind of goes like this. Tell, tell the people what you're going to tell them. 
And then tell them. And then tell them what you told them. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. And then I'm going to tell you what I told you. And then when you leave here, you'll know what I told you. Okay? So there's two things that I want to tell you today. I want to tell you, first of all, that you need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. Second thing I want to tell you is this shepherd really loves you. Really loves you. So when you leave here today, I want you without a shadow of doubt to know I need a shepherd. And, and my shepherd really, I mean really, loves me. So let's look at some things here this morning. Let me go over some characteristics of, of sheep. Uh, a neighbor of mine, he also attends the church, gave this to me the other day. And I thought this is perfect for where I'm going today. First of all, sheep are known to be feeble-minded. They're never used in circuses because they can't be trained to perform. They tend to wander and get lost and are, and are unable to find their way home, even when home is in sight. They are defenseless. They have no quills like porcupines, no scent like skunks, no claws like cats, no teeth like lions. The sheep's bite is harmless. They are unable to defend themselves against attack. Thirdly, they're helpless. Not only can they not swim, but if they are in water, their wool soaks up the water and they sink to the bottom. Also, if they're on land and end up on their backs, they cannot turn over and get themselves up. Their kicking and bleeding does not help except to alert the wolf and the shepherd. And the shepherd comes and sets them on their feet again. Fourthly, they perceive danger poorly. They have poorly developed instincts to warn of potential danger. They often wander into a briar patch. They will walk right off a cliff or walk into heavy smoke. They totally depend upon their shepherd. Sheep require more attention and care than any other class of livestock. And we're the sheep. We need a shepherd. Come on, we need a shepherd. And we have no idea how much we need a shepherd. But Now, I want to major on today, though. We have no idea how much our shepherd really loves us, that he loves us. Uh, did I mention that he loves us? And I want to kind of break through the crust of all of this because you know what? It, here's the danger that we have this morning. You've already heard that. You already heard Jesus, God, shepherd loves me. He loves me. Sing a song. He loves me. I want to break through all of that religious buildup, you know, just a mental mental, you know, whatever that's just there. I want to get through that. And I want you to know this morning that he loves you. I mean that he like really loves you. This is deep that he cares that he, he loves you in this way. Now in John chapter 10, verse 11 and 12, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. That's where we get our title. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what? He gives his life for the sheep. John 15, 13 says, there is no greater love than that, but that somebody would give their life for their friend. John 10 verse 12 says this, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the sheep, uh, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, but the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. So what Jesus is saying, I'm a good shepherd and I care. I love you. I love you so much that I would lay down my life for you. There's not a greater measure of love than that, but that somebody would lay down their life for you. And he said, I'm not a hireling. 
That, that word in the Greek is a, is a wage worker. It's just hired help. You've been there, I've been there, where you had a bunch of stuff you had to do that you didn't care about doing, but you had to do it. And it's like, all right, got to go take care of these stinky, smelly, dumb sheep. And that's not his attitude at all. Instead, he loves us. He would lay down his life for us and protect us and make sure whatever needed to be done to take care of us, he would do that. I think an illustration of that is found in Mark chapter 6. And we pick up in verse 31. And you need to know that Jesus' ministry is running full bore. We are in full swing at this point. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Check on your neighbor. Make sure they're wide awake and they're not in your purse or something. You know, just check them all real quick. All right. Mark 6, verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said, Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Notice this. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Hello? They were so busy they didn't even have time to eat. So this is what they did. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. And so what happens here? is they have whole towns and villages are emptying out because they've been under such oppression. Life is hard. They're under the heavy hand of the Roman government. The religious system is, is, is just heavy on them. And you just can't please God. And you can't please your leaders or anything else. Uh, in every way, life is, is hard for them. Jesus shows up and he preaches a message that's called good news. And they start to get hope. And literal physical eyes that are blind start to get open and ears open. And people with leprosy, they're clean. And people lost their mind or back in their right mind. And people that were hopeless have hope. And, and, and there's joy coming to them. And and, and in every way, good, good stuff is going on. And, and literally, and we find several times in the New Testament where it describes that whole villages and towns would just leave. They would just leave to go out in the wilderness where he was to hear, to see, to just be, just be around. That was incredible. And, and the press of that was just unreal. And Jesus and his team, they're ministering to them. They're sharing all that they can. He's praying for people. People just want to touch him. He, he wants to touch them. He speaks words of life to them that they've never heard before. He even refers to scripture that they've heard their whole life. But now he says it in such a way, it's just alive to them. And they said, we've heard this stuff our, our whole life, but we've never heard, we've never heard anything like this. And they would leave everything just to go out and to be a part of that. And it got to a place where so much is going on. Jesus and his disciples just physically, we can't, we can't do anymore. And they said, and we don't even have time to eat or, or any kind of break. So we're going to have to take a break. So they hop in this boat and they push off across the Sea of Galilee. And although it's a big lake, it's not that big. And people are able to see, I, there's the whole crowd. There's some boats going on. I bet that's Jesus. We couldn't even get near him. And now, look, he's coming to our side. And they start to gather. And as this crowd runs along the shore, other people, what's going on? What's going on? And they come. And so they're all waiting on the other side. So Jesus and team arrive on the other side. Let's, let's read verse 34. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Uh, let, let me just stop right there. They went trying to find a little retreat. Y'all with me this morning? They went trying to find a little retreat. And you know what they found? A huge crowd. And Jesus got off the boat and here's what he did. Give me a break. 
What is wrong with you people? No. It says that when he stepped from the boat, he what? Come on, say it with me. He what? He, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to do some things. He began to teach them many things. You, you hear this? And it's, it's work to teach a crowd like that. And he, he's teaching them many things. And then after a while, he says, you know what? These, these people are hungry. And they're out away from town. You know, and phone cell coverage is horrible out there. And they're not going to be able to call for food. There's no KFC, Taco Bell, you know. There's, there's none of that around there. What are we going to do? And, they, and Jesus said, feed them. And if feed them, we'd have to work for months to even get the money to feed them. And he said, go find me something. And they brought a little boy's lunch. And Jesus was able to, because he's Jesus, multiply the fish and loaves and feed everybody and have leftovers. And you know what he did? He, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he did good to them. He fed them spiritually. He fed them physically. He went beyond. He went beyond. Listen, he wasn't annoyed. He wasn't annoyed. He had compassion on them. How many of you have ever told somebody before, hey, you ever need me? I'm there for you. You call me night or day, whatever you need. You, you call me. I'll, I'll be there. And then they call you. You're like, oh, man. Caller ID at 1.45 in the morning. You've got to be kidding me. Hey, I know this. I've been in the ministry over 30 years, okay? But you know what you do? You find your compassion and you bring it up. And what did Jesus do? He wasn't annoyed. He had compassion. He had compassion on them. And, what, and this, this compassion is just an incredible, incredible thing. We, we read about it also. We read this verse earlier in Matthew 9, 36, where it says this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. There's a parallel in the Gospels here. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He had compassion. Everybody say compassion. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's the second time that, that we read that there in the Gospels. He had compassion. Compassion. Say it again. Compassion. Now, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. And so these first century Greek writers and Greek thought uh, in first century time, there for several centuries, was, was this. They located the emotions. Watch this now. They located the emotions in the bowels. If you felt something, you felt it in your bowels. You know, you felt it in your guts. So back then, if a young man loved a young woman, he'd say, I love you with all my guts. It was very romantic. Uh, As time has gone on, fortunately, that has come up. And, And now thought is, modern thought is that you locate the emotions in the heart. That you feel things in your heart. A few weeks ago, we saw the devastation of a a tornado out in, you know, in Oklahoma. I felt that in my heart. It just hurt, hurt me in my heart. There are things that happen all the time in this crazy, unglued world that we live in that you see and you, you feel it. You feel it here. And that's what was happening. Jesus was feeling it, according to first century, in his gut. And so when it says that he was moved with compassion, that he had compassion, here's what's going on. He was moved in his guts and his inside. His heart was moved. And the thing about this word and this phrase in the Greek is we don't have, 
we don't have an English word that really, that really can just fully say that. So we have to kind of gather several words and pull it together. And, and part of it all is, is if we've cheapened things. Our, our culture, our day has gotten really trite and, and light about things. How many of you see some things and you go, that's awesome? How many of you have used the word awesome more than five times in the last week? Can I tell you something? You probably haven't run into five awesome things this last week. And some people use awesome every other sentence. Y'all, I know about you. Okay. And so that is awesome. Awesome. Look at that. That is awesome. Did you hear this awesome song? This hamburger is awesome. Just everything's awesome. And it's so awesome that we what? We love it. And then your friend walks up, I love your shoes. You don't love their shoes. Yeah, I do. They're awesome. No, they're not. Are y'all with me? And we made everything so light and trite that we use, we use these words. And that's why our language has gotten so watered and thinned out that, you know, it's hard for me to tell you how much this morning your shepherd loves you. I mean, this is deep that he loves you. So some of these words are, that it's deep emotion, that he felt deeply and it moved him. He felt pity and distress. He felt pity and distress because of their ills, because of their plight, because of what they were going through, because of what they were distressed about. He felt the distress, empathy and and sympathy. And his heart was profoundly moved. He felt something that didn't just feel, but it moved him to do things. That's the kind of love that he had for them. And I want you to know something. Look me in the eye. That's the kind of love that he has for you. That's the kind of love that he has for you. We can't even put it into words how much that he loves you. And it says that he loved them. He had compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. Because they were confused and helpless. Let's look at that just for a moment too. They were confused and they were helpless. They were under oppression. I told you from, from their government, from Roman rule, from religion. They were exhausted. Everybody say exhausted. I mean, they were exhausted. They, they did not have near the conveniences that we have. How many of you roughly my age, uh, we have a much better life than we did a few years ago? Well, for the rest of you, and, and I don't even know the half of it, but I'm, I, I turned 54 last week, and I'm just thinking back to my childhood. And I grew up in Central Florida. And all I remember, anytime I get ultra, ultra hot, it reminds me of my childhood. Our car was not air conditioned. Our house was not air conditioned. Our school was not air conditioned. Nothing was air conditioned. We're in an air conditioned church today. I think I'm going to stay all day. Are y'all with, y'all with me? Hold, hold on. And it was so hot. And the car that we had, we had like this, I think it was about 400 yard long um, brown station wagon. And the windows, you ready for this? You had to roll them up. You had to crank them up. Anybody with me here? And there were no seat belts. And the carpet that was on the inside, and it had a hump in the middle. You remember the hump? And sometimes we'd just pile in and somebody get to sit on the hump. And then we'd fight over the way back to get right in the way back. The only thing about the way back, no air makes it back there. 
And the carpet, the tent is all prickly. I mean, it would just cut you. And if you fell asleep or sat on, it'd just leave these marks. And people would say, something's wrong with that kid, you know, because he had all this stuff. I can remember riding, riding in the way back of the station wagon growing up and coloring with my crayons. We didn't have Crayola. We had Ohio art. You know, we had, we had the cheap. But coloring with my crayons and my crayons are soft and bending. And it was hot. Are y'all with me? And then I, I remember one of my friends, they got air conditioning at your house. Guess what? He went from friend to best friend. <laughs> I kid you not. And then in school, my school, the library was air conditioned. I think that's why I'm a reader. <laughs> um, but I can remember first grade and it's so hot and they put a fan by the door and the fan would oscillate. You could not wait for that fan to get back your way. And something was wrong with ours because the further the day went, it just wouldn't come back as far. It's like a sprinkler or something, you know, it's like, so you just wait. And we had gnats. How many of you know what gnats are? Okay. Well, back then we had a thing called 612. And it was this gnat stick, okay? And it was a metal kind of push-up, roll-on kind of thing. And the teacher would say, class, I'm going to pass the 612 around. And, and as I recall, every kid had to bring one of those. Not so you had it for yourself, but it was like supplies for the classroom. So the teacher would say, if you'll just put it on your forehead and your cheeks, it'll keep the gnats off you. But here's what the teacher would do. We'll go to the end and give it to the first little student. And the student would use it and then pass it on to the next little student. Y'all... Anybody here? And they'd use it and go to the next one. And I guess that's all well and good a little bit. You know, first grade, little creepy, sweaty kids. But there was another, another thing going on in the world at that, at that time. When I was in first grade and for a few years, I think they've solved it now. But girls back then had cooties. And there's, they've fixed it now. Thank God. Come on. Somebody say, thank God. I think about junior high, they fixed it. And it's like, <laughs> girls are awesome, you know, but, but anyway, back to first grade, they were not. And so we're sweaty, there's gnats and sitting next to me, guess what? A girl. And she used the little 612 thing and passed that on to me. the first major time I got in trouble in first grade, I pulled out my little first grade scissors and I cut that off. Okay. That has nothing to do with this message. Okay. Except to say our life is better now. Our life is better. These people are weary and scattered. They're exhausted. That was therapeutic for me to get out, to get out this time. They were exhausted. They were vulnerable. They were distressed. They lacked direction. It was horrible. And Jesus said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. So you know what he was? He was a shepherd to them. There's two things that I want to tell you today that you need a shepherd. And then that shepherd loves you so much. Let me, let me read you some scripture on this. In Romans 8, 35, and this is in the message paraphrase. It says, do you think anyone, and listen carefully to this. I love this passage. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. 
Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I love that. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, say nothing. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable. Get this, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. I've got to read that last part again. Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. I love it. And then in Psalm 13, verse 5 and 6, but I trust in your unfailing love. I rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is what? He is, he is good. He is good to me. We as sheep really have no idea. We have no idea how much we really need a shepherd. You know, they recommend that you ride a helmet, uh, wear a helmet to ride a bicycle. And I ride a bicycle for exercise and for fun. And um, yesterday I was getting ready to ride. Now I wear a helmet and I recommend you wear a helmet. I have a good friend who's a, a x-ray tech in emergency in a trauma center in South Florida. And he said, anybody you can tell, tell them to wear a helmet when they ride a bike because he sees too much. Well, yesterday I had my helmet on. I got all my stuff ready. I'm getting ready to go. And and I realized, oh, I hadn't stretched out, so I started to stretch out a little bit before I went. Got my helmet on. My point is, you have no idea how much you need a helmet. And while I was stretching out, I actually hit my head on the side of my house. And I haven't even got on my bike. Thank God for a helmet. I thought, thank God for it. And I'm actually thinking about wearing the helmet more often. Okay? Okay. But my point... You have no idea. Listen, you, have, you think you know how much you need a shepherd. Yeah, I need him for this. You have no idea how much you need a shepherd. And you know what else? You have no idea how much he loves you. I pray that you'll really get a grasp and, and get a glimpse of how much he loves you. Let me read this one passage here in Ephesians three eighteen and 19. And may you, say that's me. May you have the power, this is my prayer for you, that you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Listen to this next part. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Two things. You really need a shepherd. And your shepherd really, really loves you. Okay. I need to give you a warning this morning. Here's the danger of all of this. Here's the danger of this. That he'd be so good to us. That he would help us. That he would be a shepherd. He loves us so much. He'd meet your needs. He'd protect you. He would rescue you. Any of you as he rescued you before. He worked some things out for you. Got you through that. Provided for you. Guided you. And, and all of those things. Here's the danger. And here's the warning to you this morning. That he gets you to those places. And we're now more satisfied with the green pastures. And the still waters. And we forget about the good shepherd who led us to those things. 
that when it's dark and we're uncertain and we're a little bit afraid or confused, we hug his leg. But then when it kind of sorts out and the light comes, we wander off in all kinds of directions. God help us with that. That we realize it is more about relationship and less about the benefits. He said, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen to me. It's, it's less about the benefits of him being a shepherd. It's more about his relationship. It's more about his love than it is about our needs. You know what love does? Love meets the needs. And if we're not careful, it's, and I don't want this to be cliche for us, but sometimes we're looking for his hand and not his face. And we need to seek his face. And his hand will always be there. But it's confusing for us sometimes. And we get, you know, I, I watch it all the time. I watch it all the time where the heat's on. Things are messed up and people are seeking after the shepherd. And what does the shepherd do? Rescues, protects, guides, restores, gets you to a safe place in green pastures. And then we start to forget about the good shepherd. And you know what? The whole deal is really not about your needs. It's about his love. It's about relationship. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He saved us. But I want you to hear this. He didn't save you because you were lost. He saved you because he loved you. He saved you because he loved you. God so loved that he did all that he did to save you. And so my caution to all of us today, let's just keep our eyes and follow close with the good shepherd. Amen. Amen. I want to read this to you because I've tried to word this carefully and I don't want to mess it up. And then we'll just wrap up this morning. Although I don't know fully how much I need a shepherd, I fully know that I need a shepherd. And although I don't know fully how much he loves me, I fully know that he loves me. So our point of application is just this again as last week. Start your day and commit your day. To the Lord is shepherd. Start your day and commit your day to the Lord is shepherd. And when you do that, you can just say to the Lord, I trust you today to be my shepherd and I will follow you. And I've found it even this week, church, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stretching this a bit. This week I've found relief. I've found peace. I've found confidence that this will be okay, that I will be okay. Just by reminding myself that I have a shepherd I don't have to fix the world. I don't have to manage all the crazy stuff in the world. I just got to follow my shepherd. And whatever your deal is, and I don't know what your deal is, but I know one thing. There's a good shepherd that loves you so much and you need him. And he's able to do what's, what's necessary in your life. My recommend, recommendation to you is get close to him, follow him, and forever let him be your good shepherd. I want to tell you two things today. I told you, and now I want to tell you what I told you. You really need a shepherd. And your shepherd, he's a good shepherd. He really, really loves you. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.